As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon. Bonne fête à toi! Bonne fête à toi! A very special birthday episode. See if you can tell the difference between a normal episode. And then murder. Most foul? We'll see. Stay tuned. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. You can listen to us online at CFRU.ca, or if you were most likely in a car, I'm going to say no one is listening to the radio station on an actual radio. Um, like, nobody has a, the ghetto blaster hooked up and like, boy, I'm going to crank some of that CFRU. That's walking gonna, down the street. Walking out, on your shoulder. <laughs> Straight out of the 90s or ladies. Of Joel and Jack. That's <laughs> <laughs> how so you get the lady. <laughs> we're kind of like the Beastie Boys in the sense that we're boys and we're vaguely bestial in appearance. But, uh, uh, you can check us on Twitter, 80 Radio CFRU. I have not touched that in a long time. I apologize. Uh, email us at androidsdungeon at cfru.ca or insta androidsdungeoncfru. <clears throat> Our show is about books, movies, music, video games, things that happen to us walking in. I'm going to start off by saying the traffic is atrocious today. If you are driving, um, I feel sorry for you because I feel sorry for myself after driving from... I work in the north end of town, and uh, I drive up to the university, and it's if it's rainy, be prepared to add another 10 minutes to your trip because I don't know why. At 1 p.m. on a Thursday, recording this live. Yeah. We traffic, we need to <laughs> man we that need lunch <laughs> traffic. <laughs> it's boy this live show. Please Everybody call in. Heading into Pizza Hut buffet. <laughs> <getting anyway. laughs> Actually, uh, while we're on the subject of um, lunch situations, uh, I feel like <laughs> we had a bit of a situation. A very difficult situation. Um, wow. Yeah, things blew up. Well, let's let's not put the cart before the horse here. You gotta gotta preheat the oven before you put turkey in, Joel, and. Uh, <laughs> So set set this up for us. Uh, every once in a while, and I mean, like most companies, we had uh, we had a potluck today. Uh, every probably I would say like once a year we'll have a potluck, <clears throat> uh, and usually it's the usual suspects, right? There's a usual crew that likes preparing things in crock pots or whatever and bringing them in, and then there's the usual crew that arrives and eats it. <laughs> Right. And I, I just feel like a few of those people that are always consistently making things 
uh, just lost it today. <laughs> <laughs> Even before the potluck but, began. But this is a common thing. This is like, Joel sent me a link today from, I, I don't know if you yeah. just Googled potluck thieves. It was the top result. And it was the top Google. result. It was from this. AR15. Uh, the website was AR15.com, which uh, <laughs> if you know anything about uh, Armalite rifles, <laughs> this these people, and when when the first post is, does anyone else hate the scum that shows <laughs> Scum. <laughs> Anyway, so what made it worse this time? Like, what what caused this crockpot of festering resentment to uh, explode? I don't get it. I don't get it either, but I guess what really happened was there was a new guy, like a fairly new guy, who the new guy. wanted to know generally what the policy was. What do you mean policy? He said, because <laughs> nobody said, right? Nobody because said, this is... <laughs> nobody said, if you don't bring anything, you don't eat, right? <laughs> so he was like, I didn't bring anything. I would like to eat. What do I have to do to do that? And a few people were like, oh, well, you know, a lot of companies that I used to work for uh, allowed you to give a donation to charity if you if you didn't uh, bring any food to the potluck. And then a few other people uh, got very upset and said, <laughs> what do you even think you're doing coming to the potluck if you haven't brought anything? <laughs> it's classic i just like it so much i have nothing to do with it well no i, I guess sort of something to do with it but very little so what it was just one person that was it upset or uh, no, no one one yeah, person, just one person asking this. but then but then af- out of that once it all kind of settled there were probably about five or six posts each of which were like you can have like a certain amount of likes on a post saying like after seeing all this, I am never coming to a potluck ever again. It was people that weren't contributing, but yeah, still, yeah. like, we're planning on coming, and now we're, like, afraid to show their <laughs> I was faces. going to come. <laughs> yeah. I was going to eat your food. <laughs> now, forget about it. <laughs> Which, whatever. I mean, I've never... We've never run out of food. Yeah. Right? I've never been hungry. I, I think it's more, like, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head a bit earlier when you're saying there, there are... When you're doing a potluck, you have to expect that some people are not going to contribute. Yeah. The, the problem is that it depends on the attitude of the non-contributors coming to the potluck. Because if it's just one of these things where people just roll in mm. entitled and just scoop up stuff, it's like, um, no, you're just taking advantage of the, the, the generosity of strangers here versus yeah. someone who, like, if you showed up, oh, man, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't bring any potluck. Nobody would blink today? an eye. Yeah. Nobody would blink an eye. But if it's somebody you knew most likely would never ever contribute and yeah and i feel like year after year it was the same people and this is what's driving these other people crazy it's it's a potluck it's not a uh bring your own buffet for the entire company (laughs) you've hit the nail on the head because i did some research as you know yeah and i guess uh there are some companies where like certain departments i don't know which department it is sales or whatever won't ever like nobody in that department will ever make an item mm-hmm. and then they'll come to the potluck and they'll show up early they'll take all the best stuff and they'll take it back oh, to their leave. area so that's the other they thing export. is like a don't show up early and take all the best stuff if you're yeah. not contributing maybe wait till other people have eaten yeah and b if you're gonna take people's food maybe mingle maybe maybe tell them well, what you think about it you gotta <laughs> <laughs> although on one hand part of me is like look a shameless theft is a shameless theft but at yeah. least you're gone this you're you're not they darkening the doorstep yeah exactly <laughs> versus somebody who's like sitting there just making small talk with you 
<laughs> chowing down. Well, this is delicious. This is fantastic. It's not as good as my- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some some notes. <laughs> yeah, a little less cardamom next time. <laughs> what What did you make, Joel? I made a taco soup with. Uh, I made it veggie so that you could for the vegetarians in the office i put the chicken on the side oh geez and then uh chips and cheese and sour cream whatever nice um the highlight i would say of the lunch was a uh, sort of a chilean drink which was kind of like a a brandy liqueur mixed with some sort of spices it was pretty tasty all right cool and how was that was that in like a a punch bowl or something or yeah like a giant jug cool yeah, it was Araceli made it, and mm, delicious. And alcohol, which yeah. is always nice. Oh, I mean, it's just liqueur. It's just classic, a little yeah. nice evener for time. Anyway, that's great. Uh, if you have any hard opinions on potluck or stories about them, feel free to uh, email us or uh, drop us a line. You can also come to the Guelph Board Gaming Group, which is, um, I'd say it's an unofficial Androids Dungeon hangout spot because uh, frankly you're the one who posts there the most and it's it's everyone we know we saved we've revived it uh mostly joel because revivify the problem is i always forget when we're playing games or something taking a picture and posting it to uh on facebook or something or on twitter or something is always a, a distant afterthought because it's never something that's been it's like somebody saying why didn't you record a video of it it's like well i always forget i can do that sort of stuff it's not something that i instinctual it's, it's just a, anything like anything it just becomes a habit yeah at some some point in the game maybe when you're when you're not participating or whatever all of a sudden i'm like hey i but guess i could snap a couple shots i'm always engaged joel i'm always engaged that's why <laughs> yeah anyway yeah so anyway let us know uh come to the golf boarding group anyway and you can see the cool people in action yeah. and us too some interesting stats for you we started at uh 62 members and uh, we're up to 130 now. It's almost like Great. posting in a group yeah. encourages people to post and join the group. Yeah. Somebody Great. new joined, I guess, recently. I didn't look at it. I just get, yeah, I get the notification. Clank. It's always interesting to see what their favorite game is. Yeah. I, uh, I My original welcome message said, um, welcome, what's your name, that likes Clank. Uh, everybody likes a good deck builder, and some people also like Clank. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and then I deleted it and put something more friendly. Yeah, it's kind of a <laughs> bit of an aggressive start, but just he's not wrong, folks. He's not wrong. <laughs> it's a bad deck builder. I mean, it's a good, it's an okay all around game, but the deck builder aspect of it is awful. I think that's, that's the problem with it. Is that it's this game that it doesn't, it 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 tried to be. It, it builds itself as a deck builder with a board state, which is as I've mentioned so many times, one of my favorite ways to implement cool, yeah. it. It's kind of cool. I love how it, it, a lot of games do this. Better games. Whereas the problem with Clank is that the deck building aspect it, it's is so poor, in my opinion, yep. that it just you might as well be not playing any game in because yeah. it's not doing deck building well. It's not doing the board well, and you're just kind of left going, "What am I doing?" I would have enjoyed more of a board state. Yeah, just throw out. I you know what does mm-hmm. did it right, which was like almost the same thing, except it's almost purely movement. But like, what kind of movement mm-hmm. was that quest for El Dorado that you recommended? It quest, was tons of fun. Who designed that game, Joel? Lada? No. Who's our other? Rainier Kenitsu? The good doctor himself, <laughs> who just cannot. Good man. Can, we were warned we would get tired of winning, and <laughs> we're not there yet with Kenitsu, because he just keeps yeah. winning. He's so good. Uh, what so you, hot. What have you been playing recently? 
Uh, I got in two games on the same afternoon of uh, Twilight Struggle, which was a blast. Online? S- still a great game. Nope, in person. Wow. Uh, played against Chris. I, I had taught him how to play and let him win, more or less, over uh, when we were traveling for work. And so I felt like I needed to give him the, the true treatment. So I came over and kicked his butt a couple times. <laughs> and then I left Stefan to finish the second game yeah. as I went to a murder mystery. All right. So let's Did you let's not move off Twilight's struggle immediately. Did sure. you notice anything different playing it? And what did you find playing with Chris, who's new to the game? Like, what's a mistake that a newbie will make, aside from just not knowing the cards well enough or what to expect? Uh, definitely one of the strongest mistakes I saw was caring about non-battleground countries mm-hmm. so you as a as a new player don't really recognize how little you need to do i think to control a region mm-hmm. right and how you kind of just want to do as little as possible and just keep yourself on the edge of control of domination or whatever yeah. and then just ignore it whereas like you could see like for example like in in europe uh the russian player has all threes and fours in order to get like uh, non-battleground countries and if you're ever sitting on more than three of those, you've wasted like nine resources just dropping stuff into uh, countries that don't even give you points, right? Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a classic mistake. Another one is, uh, I guess, just not knowing the value of events. And that's just something that comes with time. Hand management is a huge problem. Like knowing when to play what or? Yeah, and just making like, okay, say for example, you're, you've got a hand and oh, I've got four of my opponent's cards, this stinks. But I can play the China card and then I don't have to play some of them. Great, except for the situation is that you're gonna hold on to two of your opponent's cards and then draw another new random set of cards. So guaranteed you're starting at two of your opponent's cards and if you draw the same split that you did last time, now you've got six of your opponent's cards, right? Well, especially too, it's like, and this is something you can only get from playing the game enough too, and it kind of ties to what you were saying earlier, is that if you know that, and especially if you're paying attention to what your opponent's doing, if you can play a card and give them an event that doesn't help them, uh, like, so let's say it's now, obvious you're yeah. working on South America and I give you an event in the Middle East, I'll take those ops. You can play around the Middle East. And yeah. it's as long as I know I'm not trying to get the Middle East too. It's like, it's those times when you can't help but give them something that's helping, making, that they're working on right now. It's like obvious it's there, it's in their current uh, game plan that it's like, oh, all right, can, how do I mitigate this damage the best I can? Oh, I already space raced. Oh, God, this is going to be painful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that where you transition from a new player to an older, uh, more experienced player yeah. is you're going from reluctantly playing your opponent's cards to aggressively seeking ways to play your opponent's cards. Yeah. You, you almost play them before you play your own. Right. Because you're like, well, I, you know, I'll deal with my own when, I, when it comes to it, but this is the best time to play, uh, I don't know, maybe... Um, independent reds mm-hmm. because there's nothing in yugoslavia or romania or something and so i just yeah, play yeah that's mitigate it. well that's it so if you can obviously look at a region and say like yeah it doesn't do anything great yeah. here have the event it wait for your opponent to build up in japan and then play u.s japan missile oh, defense brilliant like, it's classics so, yeah. right but that's sort of stuff that you can only get with experience in that game because it's the definition of this um I don't know, is, is front-loaded the right word, or is it obfuscated in the sense of it's going to take multiple, multiple, multiple plays, not just to figure out the nuances, but actually know what is going to come up yeah. as you're playing. The skill so. is knowing what's in the deck, because yeah. let's say, for example, you're the U.S., and you're like, hey, it's super easy for me to control Europe. Wrong. Sway's crisis. 
Uh, De Gaulle Suez. leads France, you yeah. know, all these cards that are going to uh, counter that, right? Yeah. So there's a, that's what kind of makes the game kind of cool. And, it, and in the end, like something that gets me with Twilight Struggle a little bit is that there's some games that are worse than others in the sense of you can distill everything down to math. Yeah. And with Twilight Struggle, I feel like if you just f- remove all the theming whatsoever, it's just numbers and you're increasing numbers in certain spots. Yeah. And removing numbers in certain spots with certain <laughs> cards, and it, it can be slightly maddening. And assuming yeah. you're not doing just like dice chucking to for um, realignment rolls and stuff, but uh, yeah, oh man, realignments with the <clears throat> computer are brutal. <laughs> I don't think it plays fair. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. But it's also really dumb, so it, it cashes out. Speaking of uh, anyone listening, uh, the one person listening tomorrow. Uh, thanks, Mom. <laughs> no, Mom doesn't even listen. Uh, there is a Steam Autumn sale going on right now, and there are a bunch of digital games, uh, tabletop games, that are on sale at the moment. Um, some of them I would not necessarily endorse, but if you're interested in them, look. But you'll notice a lot of them have mixed ratings on the side, which is because they're fairly shoddy ports from mobile to Steam, and I think people are rightfully upset with Are you some talking about the board games? Board games, yeah. Some of them are fine. Like I've said in the past, Through the Ages has a fantastic application. Mm-hmm. Um, Pandemic. Pandemic's really good. Uh, apparently, Istanbul has a half-decent one that uh, I threw in my mm-hmm. cart today. Uh, for It's like six bucks or something. I'd definitely be interested in that. And I'd be interested in seeing Lord's that. Lord's Waterdeep. Lord's Waterdeep. Top marks. And I think even the mobile stuff is on sale at the moment as well. So if you go on like the Android uh, or uh, I don't know if Apple's discounting them too, but if you go on the uh, Google Play Store, you can see some of the stuff discounted. A lot of these games, I would argue, are best played on your phone. Yep quickly and then you never have to play them again when someone comes over and is like oh what do you want to play nope i've been playing a lot of this on my phone don't need to play this with you right now yeah um, dominion you can play them for free online which has been a lot of fun yeah just it's just the base game unfortunately because i really as much as i love base dominion i think you do need the at least one or two expansions in the mix to mm. really feel like you're doing something different as opposed to just like chapel chapel thief <laughs> going through the motions or moat yeah but anyway great game um, but Twilight Struggle is one of those games, one of those games that's good online. It's good on Steam. It's good on your phone. I'll be honest. I have I bought both. Yeah, which was greasy because I hate when they don't do the like. Oh, you bought on the one. Here yeah, you go. Exactly. You just, here's it's a identical. And it's cheap though. What what is the price right now? Two ninety nine. Five bucks. Five Look, Tops. folks, you can either pay sixty dollars plus. I don't even know if it's in stock at the moment. I don't think it's in print uh, currently. GMT, that's their moneymaker. It's, of course, coming out. You can either pay $60 plus to have a lovely copy that sits and gathers dust on your shelf, or you can pay 5 bucks for a digital copy that you actually play. And yep. in this case, I highly recommend digital copy, unless you think you're going to sit down with somebody enough to make this worthwhile, or you love this game so much. Speaking of buying physical copies, I didn't realize that it was Gale Force 9 that published uh, the Firefly game as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man... <laughs> Uh, space, uh, science fiction. Yeah. Same theme. It's just a very different game. Very it's a pick up and deliver. Very different game. Speaking of Dune, that's what Joel's mentioning yeah. there. Um, I will. I wish I could contribute more to what I've been playing recently. I was telling Joel that I, between getting things ready, because we're on a time limit with getting stuff, the basement ready, and getting the house in shape, because there's a bunch of stuff coming from our old house that's going to make its way into this current house, and I need to have things done in the basement so that I can have room to put stuff in here. So, unfortunately, there's been zero time between commitments mm. and 
uh, reno stuff to actually sit down and play some games, which has been haunting me, as I told Joel earlier, because there's Roads and Boats 20th Anniversary Edition is sitting right there, and I've opened it. I've looked at the rules. Uh, I haven't punched anything yet because I feel like it'd be sacrilegious to punch that game, but unless it's going to go right onto the table. Um, but I have managed to scrounge an hour here and there at night, and I finished Out of Worlds, and I was a lot of this is going to seem like a repeat of what I said before, but uh, final grade of the game is a C plus, B minus. Hmm. Uh, it was boring. And Did you watch the 12 minute? This 12 <laughs> minute. Run? You can speed run Oblivion in like 12 minutes too. Yeah. It's it's. No, I didn't watch it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I love speedruns, and I don't care about Outerworlds <laughs> speedrunning. Fantastic. It was the developers talking about it, which was my favorite part. Was yeah. they're like, he can do, th- oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I thought we put a lock there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's always fun seeing somebody break a game so yeah. completely. Um, so if maybe some DLC will come out and will make the game more interesting, but still right now. Not a hard, hearty endorsement. It's boring. It's boring. Um, Terminator Resistance has been what I've been putting a little bit of time into when I get some, in the usually before I go to bed. And uh, it's a first-person uh, shooter with RPG mechanics um, and inventory and lockpicking straight out of the Fallout series with is, like, you move it around and you push it. If it, if it hits the side, nope, pull back. Do too much, bends and breaks. you got to make a new one. It's got crafting. Uh, so you can go through the checkbox of, like, popular things right now. And uh, But it is actually kind of fun. It's uh, it's too easy, frankly. But uh, I never like going into those games just hitting the difficulty high right from the get-go because I don't know if the game is going to play fair and mm-hmm. it's not just going to be, like, too hard in the sense of, oh, everything's a bullet sponge and it's just not fair. You just bang your head against the wall because it's uh, just amped it up for no reason. Do you think this is the first good Terminator, Terminator game? I don't know if I can say that. Um, going back to, interestingly, Oblivion and Bethesda, Bethesda, before they were huge, uh, this was, they were still a reasonable company, but they put out a game called Terminator Future Shock, which is another first-person shooter mm-hmm. Terminator game set in the post-apocalypse, or basically you're fighting Skynet, and um, I After think... After the, uh, what's it called? The uh, the Singularity? Judgment Day. Yeah. <laughs> singularity? Is the si- Singularity is like the, the turning point where machines become sentient. Is that what it is? It's, uh, yeah... yeah. I always thought it was like the blending of... Co- I guess it's consciousness and AI, but anyway. Um, I guess it is a singularity. <laughs> in, in this case, they nuke everything. So. Bastards. But um, anyway, long story short, so far, and I'd say I've put in about four or five hours in Terminator Resistance, I'm having more fun than Outer Worlds. Um, the sound effects and music are spot on. The voice acting is a little shaky at times, and some of the models on the humans are weak. But if you like Terminator at all, give it a shot, because so far it seems to be... I don't know why this game just flew under the radar completely when it's far more competent than... Um, and nobody's talking about it. Either. And nobody's talking about it, but it's better than a lot of stuff I've played recently. I haven't seen a single meme. No. <laughs> Nobody, Terminator's so boring at this point, nobody just even wants to meme it. <laughs> That's how I gauge popularity. It's true, though. It's it's at least attention. It's it's how I get a lot of news. You know, you'll see, some, <laughs> you'll see a meme of something... And then you'll search, what you'll, is this? you'll look it up. So can you explain, <laughs> was there actually news behind this cat salami thing? Or was it just no, a joke? No, no, it was just, uh, just goofy. I think somebody just edited it. Uh, but there is a page, right? It's like, 
who are you going to vote for in the Democratic primary? Yeah. Uh, here's where, where they stand on all these issues. And somebody put in a silly fake one, which was like, should cats... Have salami. Have salami. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren, no. Cats should eat cat food. And Bernie Sanders. Uh, cats can have salami sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, yeah some, a little salami. Something about that line just tickled me. <laughs> it wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so weird that I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> anyway, um, let's take a musical break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Joel's murder mystery. Stay tuned. It's four in the morning, the end of December I'm writing you now just to see if you're better New York is cold but I like where I'm living There's music on Clinton Street all through the evening I hear that you're building your little house deep in the desert you're living for nothing now i hope you're keeping some kind of record yes and jane came by with a lock of your hair she said that you gave it to her That night that you planned to go clear Did you ever go clear? Oh, the last time we saw you You looked so much older your famous blue raincoat was torn at the shoulder You'd been to the station to meet every train Then you came home without Lily Marlene And you treated my woman To a flake of your life When she came back She was nobody's wife Well, I see you There with a rose in your teeth One more thin gypsy thief Well, I see James away She sends her regard And what can I tell you, my brother, my killer 
What can I possibly say? I guess that I miss you. I guess I forgive you. I'm glad you stood in my way. If you ever come by here for Jane or for me, well, your enemy is sleeping. This woman is free. Yes, and thanks for the trouble you took from her eyes. I thought it was there for good, so I never tried. CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Famous Blue Raincoat by Leonard Cohen from Songs of Love and Hate. I like the songs of love. Jack likes the songs of hate. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're, we're the yin and yang of Leonard Cohen. I don't even know Cohen's songs about hate. Some of them are a little like kind of the, the more cynical songs like uh, the, um, Everybody Knows and uh, the partisan, maybe. Um, yeah, first we take Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't even know. I'm not a huge Cohen fan. the hate songs? Like I, in the sense, I like him, but I just yeah. don't know his catalog that well. And I got to play Cohen today because it's my birthday, and I get to listen to whatever I want on my birthday. What do you where, play? Where? So like Cohen is like a little, a little too soft for this show, maybe. Oh, I see. We're, we're such tough people and yeah. cool dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Waits is as close as I can get to Cohen. But, Tom Waits uh, is like Leonard Cohen if uh, early Waits, super drunk and angry. Yeah. <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> he, uh, won't, but, he won't even let me go to closing time. I have to go rain dogs and up. <laughs> I love closing time. It's you know what's funny is that when I put on um, uh, old school Tom Waits for my parents, Dad was saying that he used to listen to Tom Waits way back in the day, yeah. and would I think he put on. Um, because dad had a radio show at CFRU back when he was in high school, I think. And uh, I think they played, it was a mix of everything, but they, when they'd be playing Led Zeppelin and maybe uh, some Tom Waits and stuff too. Yeah. But um, I uh, I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again last Oh, yeah, how to hold just up. Just to kind of get a, a more objective perspective, I yeah. guess, when I'm not like into it, trying to get the plot. Yeah. It was good. It wasn't It wasn't better, I wouldn't say. But yeah. uh, I didn't realize there was, there's so much... Uh, Who's the guy with the glittery uh, jumpsuit? Neil Diamond. There's a ton of Neil Diamond. Oh, music. Yeah. yeah. He's just sitting in the car listening to Neil Diamond. I don't know Neil, Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond at a party. You've it's got like, how many records week. of Neil Diamond? Or? Too many. <laughs> I threw a bunch out, actually. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> they're not, not like they're collector's yeah. items. No. Um, but Leonard Cohen, it, 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 
is it because he has that new album out that you decide to play that? Because um, I guess he had a bunch of cutting room floor songs or spoken word stuff that his son compiled and put some music to and is currently out at the moment. I heard a track um, when I was uh, uh, driving home the other night, and it was pretty good. Very short stuff, very kind of dark. But uh, No, I, I didn't know anything about anything new. Um, I've always considered him my favorite songwriter. Mm-hmm. And so I had, I've had a boatload of uh, Cohen. Um, his new stuff was okay, but <laughs> um, he's the most covered artist of all because time. Because of Hallelujah. Because of Hallelujah, <laughs> exactly. I think even he declared a moratorium on Hallelujah covers. Yeah, it's like, please, we've had enough. I think, uh, who's who's the blame mostly for that? I think it was uh, in Shrek 2. Yeah. I think Smash Mouth did a cover of... Uh, was it Smash Mouth? There was someone weird that did a cover of Hallelujah, and it was so overwrought. Yeah. Or maybe it was just the Rufus Rain- Wainwright version of it that um, maybe got things going with yeah. it. Definitely Shrek, though, for sure. Shrek, Shrek blew up Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know uh, my man Nick Cave has, a, like, start, the first album of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, From Her to Eternity, starts with a cover of Avalanche by nice. Leonard Cohen, which is, I don't know what the... like. I, the original is got it there. It's kind of like the difference between, and I, I hate doing this, the difference between, um, so everyone knows, not not the song, but the, Everybody. remember, Everybody. great song, but um, remember when Donnie Darko was a thing with all the alternative or edgy, edgy boys? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there was the cover of the Tears of Fears song in that by Gary Jules, mm-hmm. um, Mad World. And... Everyone's like, oh, this is fantastic. I love it. So sad, so so overwrought, so full of emotion. Yeah. And you listen to the original one, and the original one's great, but it's almost, it's more sardonic and cynical and ironic because <laughs> it's got that poppy 80s uh, electro yeah. electronic vibe to it. And then you listen to Gary Jules one again, it's like, Jesus, dude, you missed the point of this song by making it so sad <laughs> because it's meant to be kind of ironic. You just slowed down the tempo and you made it like, that's the thing about Cohen, really, is this is like, Everybody sings his songs better than he does. <laughs> Everybody He's knows it. He's They're a... awful when yeah, he yeah. sings them. But, you know, it's got that kind of quality of, of he's the writer. And yeah. The, all those lyrics, they're just so profound. Like, they're beautiful. Anyway, the, the, what I was saying was that, like, the 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 original Avalanche is fantastic. And it yeah. has that very sort of, like, it's very subtle. And it's and then the, the Nick Cave version is... Um, a lot angrier, <laughs> but it still it still manages the capture. It, it makes it its own in the sense of it doesn't turn it into something that it wasn't before, but it captures the essence of what makes the song. It's this very mean, like like what's the one line I love? Like the only the crumbs I left for you are the ones I left behind, or some some <laughs> along those lines. Just like some sort of really dismissive, like yeah. <laughs> take like, it. Uh, I know you don't even the want Chelsea Hotel. Like one of his famous, like the last line of the song is, "That's all. I don't even think about you that often." <laughs> it's just like, all right, see ya. <laughs> I'm trying to think now if. I think Dad saw him when he came. Leonard Cohen came to uh, school or Queens when Dad was going there, oh. and I think uh, he started off or he was doing his co- a concert at um, Clark Hall. I think is the the spot, and I think he described. Uh, he was saying something like, "I was looking out over my hotel, at a parking lot, a wasteland." despair that was my 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 bad leonard cohen but wasteland of despair is just the one of these lines that occasionally dad will just throw out there it's like a really depressing vista yeah cohen and like 
you know, Tom Waits and and uh, Nick Cave and and maybe even uh, you know you think about some writers like Kerouac or uh, uh. um <clears throat> what's his name with a fear and loathing uh, uh, Thompson yeah Thompson just they've they've just got such bleak strong voice yeah <laughs> bleak outlook good point yeah yeah and it it just was Kerouac resonates bleak? I don't I guess I don't really I haven't read much Kerouac on and off yeah um on more positive news Joel someone. There was a murder here. Yay! Hooray! <laughs> Describe well, what was this? Because I had Joel sent me pictures, and I had no idea what was going on. Sometimes people get together to celebrate uh, the fun of murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's the it's it's like we talked about the original LARP. Yeah. The murder mystery, and it was cool. You know, nobody ever thought, "Oh, we're LARPing," when you when you got together and did a murder <clears throat> mystery. I think I. Had one with you back in the day. I think it was the first time I met you. With or I know. AJ, and I had this basketball jacket because I was supposed to be like a sports coach. And you had this toy phone that was bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find sunglasses before going <laughs> on this one. I could not. That was at Megan's place, uh, old spot. Oh yeah. Well, look at what it spawned. The greatest show on CFRU. Easy. I'd go further than that, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because now it's like. This show, this show has taken a turn since Jack's gotten so busy because it used to be, you know, us talking about all the games we played together. And now it's like us getting together once a week to catch up. <laughs> it's temporary. It is temporary. A busy until, man. It's temporary until the, the basement is finished. That is the main thing at the moment. But it's okay because I'm still going strong. Yeah. I'm Joel's still playing the tons lit. of games. <laughs> it's nice. Must be nice. Yeah. I By have, the way, my back's real sore. I have one weekly obligation right now, which is nice. Soccer? Uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, so the murder mystery, was this just like one from the box and just take on a roll? And I think he bought it online. Uh, it, it was actually uh, fairly modernized. They had a website, and at the beginning they would, you know, you're going through your pamphlet, and they're outlining the rules about how you have to behave. And they gave you a link and I threw it up on my phone and it's got every single one of the suspects and their profiles and everything right there. So that was kind of cool. Was this solvable in the sense of it made sense, the solution, or was this one of these things that ev- theoretically you could have seen them going in any direction as to the, the culprit? Uh, it wasn't a hundred percent solvable, but there was a, there was a clue that you should have gotten, but it was like a different clue that actually gave it away. But it it was it, I think it was fairly clear. Mm-hmm. So so I'll I'll outline where we're at. This is the scene, okay? So there's fifteen to eighteen of us at uh, Jason's new home. Jason's uh, this is in real life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jason's uh, moved just north of uh, Exhibition Park, and he's doing a housewarming. And his housewarming, he's decided to do a murder mystery with fondue, which I love fondue. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Cheese fondue. Uh, yeah. And the setting is we are all um, Mad Men. Ad Men. Oh, okay. So it's a Mad Men themed murder mystery. Was everyone dressed up too? For the most part, yeah. And uh, and what's happened is there's a sort of a senior executive ad man, own, owner of the company as well, and he's getting on in age and it's t- it's his time to retire. And I thought that maybe one of us were going to get murdered, but it turns out it was he gets murdered before we even start. Yeah, of course. Can and you then it's player elimination. <laughs> like you show up, no, you, you don't get to play. 
Yeah, and then it's a who done it. But the cool thing about it was that they don't tell the killer that they've done it. Oh, is that normal? No, it's definitely like you are the killer. Hide it as best you can. Okay. But uh, we had public information and private information. And so our public information was stuff that we wanted to tell everybody because it was incriminating evidence about other people. For example, I knew that uh, Vic, the the victim, and uh, the manager of the office were having an affair. <gasps> Think of the manager of the office as, uh, what's her name? <laughs> the redhead. <laughs> Christina Hendricks, the, the yeah. very talented Christina Hendricks. <laughs> very talented, yeah and um so they were having an affair and that was one of the things i knew and then the other thing i knew was that the the husband of the ambitious wife uh sid was whipped that even in the office where he tries to look like he takes charge when he gets home she's calling all the shots she's wearing all the pants unbelievable in the relationship sid poor sid uh, and then from there, you kind of you've got your hotel staff. So the scene is a hotel where there's a big conference going on. Uh, we're all on the twelfth floor, and then Vic and somebody else, his partner or something, are up on the fourteenth floor, and they're murdered. <laughs> or no, Vic is murdered. Yeah. And so everybody's a suspect. There's a ton of activity going on though, on the east stairwell. For some reason, there's nothing going on on the west <laughs> stairwell. The elevator's broken. There's about three or four hotel staff people yeah. that played hotel staff uh there's people from a rival company and then there's a whole bunch of uh staff members of our you know draper cooper and price or whatever it was called sure. and so it was kind of cool there were like some subplots where it was like it kind of looks like these people want to kill them like the people from the rival company yeah and then you find out that oh they were just trying to plant a bug in his room okay steal his ideas <laughs> or yeah, maybe discredit him or something, find some dirt. Um, I wanted him to retire. I was a, I was a kind of a jerk gossip, and I didn't have an alibi because I spent the whole time in my room watching a movie. And everybody wanted to know what movie I was watching, so I just told them it was Godfather Part 3. <laughs> I would tell them all that it was the best one. <laughs> you, should be, you should be in jail for a variety of reasons on that one. Yeah, I was like, was anybody with you? I was like, just me and Mr. Pacino. <laughs> oh, speaking of, The Irishman is out. Oh, yeah. So if uh, you are, are are an angry Marvel fanboy, uh, desperate to uh, tear down one of the greatest filmmakers of uh, the century, you can probably not spend three and a half hours watching a movie that by all accounts is supposed to be quite good, and you can rush to Twitter and uh, read a synopsis by some other dummy and just parrot those things constantly. Is this, uh, is this something happening? Catch, fill me in. What do you mean? Who's the angry Marvel fanboy? So you haven't followed any of this, have you? No. Scorsese came out and said that uh, Marvel movies are like roller coasters or like fun oh, house yeah. things. And yeah, I, I bottom, they're that. not They're not great movies. They're entertaining, but you forget about them basically as soon as you're done. Yeah, it's like a cheeseburger or something. Like a cheeseburger. And everyone loves a cheeseburger. Everyone loves a roller coaster, but nobody's trying to say this is a great meal or uh, this is like the, the, the second coming of Christ. It, it, it's just something that you enjoyed and then you leave. Um, for some reason, there are a lot of very 
passionate people when it comes to uh, these dumb superhero movies, and they were going berserk, and nobody... I, I didn't read... <laughs> I think I only read one or two in semi-thoughtful takes on it. The rest were just kind of foaming at the mouths, like, who is this guy? Kind what, of like... What has Scorsese ever done? What's he ever done? <laughs> oh, he just makes the same movie over and over again, because all I know is Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing this. It's um, three and a half hours, like I said, though, but I have no problem. Give me a long movie. Yeah, Make it a good movie, but... I have no problem sitting there for three and a half hours if you have engaged me as uh, a viewer. Why not? Why not? Um, speaking of engaging, something that's come up, um, and I think you're you got, engaged. No, no, God, no. <laughs> uh, didn't come up. You were going to talk about it with Harry, but it didn't make it on the show. And that is Letter Jam's continuous quest <sighs> to be an engaging game. And how many times have you tried it, Joel? Um, over three. Over three times. <laughs> I keep trying to teach it. I, I just like, I got so excited at Gen Con. I thought it was an amazing game. Yeah. As you know, it just keeps flopping. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. If I'm teaching it wrong. If I'm starting at too difficult a level. Maybe we should start at four, four letters or, or what it is. Because Harry has has taught it to three different groups and, and they, they've all liked it. Mm-hmm. But I think that one of the differences is that he's playing it as a warm-up game with people that are into games. Yeah. I want to play those games right away. Whereas I'm just trying to get anybody I can. So they can smell the desperation on you. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's interesting that a, a, a game that you are so fond of and that by all accounts should be clicking with people has been difficult to um, engage your your target audience with what's well, the other thing is i consider it a light game but maybe it's a lot heavier than we thought you know there's like a lot of upfront rules and and the structure of of giving clues and everything maybe maybe it's a, actually a fairly complicated game maybe that's part of it is that there's just you've got your own kind of confusing looking player mat and you've got these cards in front of you and there's these little tokens that you're kind of grabbing and bringing around and then you're trying to worry about what this person has you're trying to worry about what you've got Versus, let's say something like code names, where it's just, can you can you read these letters on here or these yeah. words? And there's zero. If you're in a team, there's yeah. zero expectation on you. You could yeah. say nothing at all, and and the game would carry on. Exactly. Um, you know what? Maybe I should take a new approach, and just put out some letters and say, hey, what words could you make with this? And then like not not start the game right away. Just mm -hmm. play like kind of like. Uh, a microcosm of the game where yeah, it's just yeah. like we're just gonna try this for a while and then we'll make some words and then you know i don't know i'm calling it now the f the next time you try it it'll be a hit all right because uh, <laughs> it's you have to get your i have spoken you're getting out the bugs in the teaching which i think if anyone um has ever tried to get a game you're fond of out on a table um and maybe you've seen it not work as much, you can kind of look back and say, what did I not explain properly? Mm -hmm. Or what did I do wrong with trying to get people into this thing? Um, don't give up. Don't give up. Unless maybe you're wrong. <laughs> maybe it's not a good game and you're just trying to shove this down people's throats. Speaking of hits, have you watched The Mandalorian yet? No. Have you? Now, yeah, we watched the first episode. How was it? It, it was a lot of fun. Really? And it is now, it has surpassed Stranger Things as the most watched 
um, streamed show of all time. Who would have thought that all it took was a half-competent Star Wars spin-off series with good production values yeah. uh, in the year of our Lord 2019 to become the number one but that's the thing sure. is like it's like a, a bit like Rogue One. I, I'm not crazy about Rogue One, but yeah. I certainly enjoyed it more than the other straight ones. Is <clears> that <throat> it's not trying to do too much. It's just a story in the world mm-hmm. instead of trying to tell the story of the world. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And Star Wars as a setting is pretty cool. Ask anyone. I grew up in this this expanded setting, the expanded universe of Star yeah. Wars. I've read the novels. I've read the comic books. I played the video games. There's a reason why we kept coming back to it. And it's that everyone figured this out years and years ago is that it's the side stories set yeah. in this universe that get people interested in them and maybe back histories and stuff, not these grand overarching um, space operas that we all like in the first one, but we don't want to see them remade constantly in J.J. Mm. Abrams. So, Come on. Anyway. Um, I'm looking forward to trying the new Star Wars game. Um, what is it? Uh, Jedi Masters or some something along those lines. It's like virtually indistinguishable. <laughs> Star Wars, you have a lightsaber. Star Wars, you have a lightsaber. Uh, Mark was joking, calling it like Star Wars Souls because I guess it's got a huge emphasis on sort of dodging and blocking. Here we go, and, so whatever, I'm looking forward to it because it melts two of my favorite That's things. That's your style, yeah. It's two of my stuff. Yeah, it's good. Have you finished System Shock One? I have finished the first level of System Shock. Oh, you've only done the first level. I haven't played since oh, okay. uh, since I went through the first level. No, I haven't. I haven't loaded up my laptop for you. The one thing about my laptop, like I've told you, is it's always being used for watching shows, and so it's it's off on the couch on the side. And then I gotta I gotta take it and I gotta unplug the power and I gotta plug in the power somewhere else. And then I gotta find where I left my mouse and I gotta get my mouse, plug it in. <laughs> <laughs> if I was playing something like Hearthstone or something like where it was like turn based Final Fantasy or something, that'd be fine. I could play it wherever. But the fact that I have to get a mouse, get a surface, clean off the surface, yeah. and then start playing, I don't, I don't play very much games. It sounds like a first world problem, but it is annoying. If you need a mouse to play a game, yeah. you can't just slap it down. Like Again, Year of Lord 2019, you can't just put a mouse down and have it work. <laughs> it's we haven't. And you definitely can't use a trackpad. No, unless you're a madman. <laughs> Although, I don't know, you might be able to get away with it in System Shock. It'd be, your hands would be all screwed Ugh, up by yeah. the end. Not worth it. Um I think the uh, I'm looking forward to you moving forward with it because I really just want you to play System Shock too, and then <laughs> but then you also picked up Thief and, and then I, I want to play, play Thief. Thief. Yeah, I got, I've got a backlog of video games. Jack's got a serious <laughs> backlog of board games. Just... I'm all cut up. <laughs> I even got a Bora Bora the other day, man. I'm I'm, oh, I'm really? cruising. So I was I telling... didn't play it though. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean. <laughs> There's a lot going on, Bora Bora. I seem to be, I vaguely recall it being out on the table and then just like, whoa. <laughs> oh, Stefan failed. <laughs> Why can't you make a simpler game? So it's, um, I was telling Joel about this, and there's a game that's out by Holland Spiel called Westphalia. And I think we made, I don't know mm. if I brought it up on the show before, but um, it, when I was reading the rules for it, it got me thinking about how much I, that that little kind of LARP game we did Mm. Got my noggin a jogging as far as like you could do this, doing yeah doing this. But I like the the thing that got me about the game, which I or, and this is what Westphalia is doing, which immediately caught my attention, is the idea that you can't win on your own. Mm-hmm. You have requirements with other players who have their own requirements, and they may not be aligned with your own. 
but you're trying you need to have them succeed in certain respects and i i liked that in the larp of that you want this person to and it wasn't as clear cut unfortunately but you yeah. you can't theoretically win unless this person's objective has been met so you're not just angling you're not looking for numero uno you have to you are but you have to look out for dos <laughs> <Numero and tres>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or at least uh and you can't be too explicit about it too because if they catch wind that you're just like maybe puffing them off in a box but um i i think that's what uh, the kind of gets into my love of competitive cooperative where yeah. we're all kind of working together to an extent but the uh, description of westphalia was awesome just the fact that it's like instead of like describing the functionality or anything they had one block of one paragraph and they decided that they were going to tell you the wind conditions yeah because it was the coolest thing yeah yeah, yeah. which and, are well it's i should read the last part because it was great yeah i'll let joel bring it up but the bottom line so it's a game by hollandspiel and it says right on the box a game for six players so this isn't a game for five hard rule it's not a game for seven you need six people to play it and it doesn't have an insane runtime. so that's something to maybe just not to dissuade some of the people who are like oh here i stand is a lot of people will say oh you can play two players if you want no here i stand is a six player game just like this and i think it's inspired by but it takes place during the 80 Years' War, and uh, you have Sweden, Netherlands, Spain, France. Um, uh, oh, God, I'm already screwing up. Um, Belgium. Austria, Bavaria, Bavaria. Austria, Bavaria. And the Dutch Republic. So they're all trying to – basically, the, <laughs> it's set up is that everyone's broke and tired of war, and you're trying to end the war – um, but in a way that you don't completely negate everything you've been doing for these 80 years. And in order to do that, you're trading favors. Everything is up for negotiation. Um, you're worrying about the haps, or you're worrying about the Catholics and the Protestants. And um, one player may never talk to another player because they don't have any issue with them in the entire game. And other players may be talking to everyone, and you're hustling. And the when I was reading this. Uh, Spain came across as like the emperor in Dune yeah. because there's, they've got tons of prestige, which is basically money, but <laughs> they're actually broke. And <laughs> so they're trading money like crazy, trying to end wars and get away with it. But anyway, what's the, what's the say, Joel? Well, I'll skip the part about debt and everything and yeah. asymmetrical, which is obviously another thing we love. Yes. But uh, uh, here, here's the, here's the, uh, the end spiel on their, on their paragraph. Additionally, two factions must each ensure that two other specific factions meet their goals in order to meet their own. Austria must ensure victory for Bavaria and Spain, while France must do the same for Sweden and the Dutch Republic. <laughs> this isn't mutual, however. Once Bavaria gets what it wants, for example, it can hang Austria out to dry. Yeah, I love it. Love it. <laughs> So it's like, hey, let's do it. We're together. Uh, you did it. Hooray. Oh, you're out of here. <laughs> Peace. So it's, I'm looking forward to it. It's um, currently Hollandspiel is doing a sale of like, I think it's, it works out the 10% off. But after you ship it from the Netherlands to Canada and you play, pay the exchange rate, it's like, oh, man. So Board Game Bliss is going to stock it come the new year. So it'll be something to keep your eye on if uh, you're in Canada and you're interested. I know I'm going to be keeping my eye out for it. Mm -hmm. The components are not usually insane, but... Uh, and the other thing, too, is uh, I think the sale is still going on in Infamous Traffic, a Cole Verley game set in um, China during the Opium Wars. Um, this is your last chance to get it for a while because it's going to be going out of print for several years uh, until one of them uh, decides to print the second edition. I think um, 
I think we're, uh, it's it's this was not a bitter fight. In fact, I think both guys were trying to say, "No, you keep the rights. No, you <laughs> keep the rights." I think uh, Verley Worley is going to be publishing under Worley Gig come the future, which is the same company that did, I believe, um, uh, Root, not Root. Um, oh God, uh, Pax Premier, second mm. edition. And um, anyway, so just keep your eye out on this sort of stuff. We've, but, we've said it before on the show, but I just want to repeat it just in case you missed it last time. Cole Worley. Number one on our list right now. He's so hot right now. So hot. Cole Worley. Like, as far as, like, engaging interesting games that it's not just, like, Vlada, peace be upon him, and Dr. Kanizia, who just, like, everything is he does is great. But there's some of the Worley games that really get the Nagana jogging with yep. these, uh, like, John Company. A perfect example of kind of the competitive co-op that we were discussing before because you're all working together to an extent, and you're but you're hustling, and you don't want to just screw things up so terribly or else, unless you're in the lead and you think you can benefit from somehow destroying the economy, more <laughs> or less. But Yeah, and I'm not going to say Rosenberg's lost his way, but I will say that he is making a, a heck of a lot of money off of that one side function of <laughs> Feast Roden, yeah. which is just making him bank. Speaking of... We picked up Second Chance, which is the Roll and Write patchwork. Oh, yeah. Plenty of fun. As basic as I get. Also, so all right. You just flip two cards, pick one of the shapes, draw it on the grid. You keep oh, going. welcome to. It's very similar, except you're drawing the po- the polynomial. Um, welcome to is still in the top 10 of games played. And, like, I, I listen to the weekly updates from BGG. Yeah. And they they've long said it's got the it's the game in the top ten with the worst name. <laughs> it's a horrible Welcome name. Welcome to. I'm looking forward to getting it out again. Currently, it's buried behind. The, <laughs> but one day we, it's coming out again yeah. shortly. Anyway, uh, Android Dungeon. Thank you for listening. I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Talk to you later.